This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Civilized Barking. Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd. Uh, Browns are on summer vacation edition uh, of the podcast. It's take two. Um, We recorded the other day and as we recorded and we were sending in the files... Sean Watson settled 20 of his 24 suits. So Jason, can I take I'm a victory lap on that? I want to take that? a victory lap on. I want to take a victory lap on that <laughs> because I said in that podcast, these are going to settle. They have to settle. It's if he was ready to settle in November, he's going to settle now. It's too logical not to happen. And then by God, 27 minutes later, 20 of them settled. And here we are setting that one on fire. And I don't remember everything else I said. Yeah. So no, I, I think we'll follow the same track here. And you know, guys, we wish there were other things to talk about with the Browns too. And there are, but this is the thing: Are you going to have your starting quarterback or not? And I, you know, neither of us is a lawyer or a genius, except when we are. Um, but you know, it it really seems easy to connect the dots. Like this is a part of telling the NFL I'm ready to to move on, and this is a part of closing the book and whatever. But I also think it's completely ridiculous to think that the NFL says, oh, okay, well, those are settled. Um, never, we're just going to give you two games, and, and we'll see you on Thursday night against the Steelers. Uh, there are still four active cases. There are still rumors of more. And this investigation that has been going on for months and possibly years um, you know, is independent of those. So are, is it truly independent? Does it feel like this was coordinated? Yes. Do I absolutely believe – the Thursday afternoon Justine Anderson report that decides at least one of the sides had tried to enter into some sort of settlement agreement and it fell apart. Yes. Um, you know, we are at the in- end of the investigation. That was clear. The only time Jason that Deshaun wasn't at the Browns offseason program was the two or three days he was interviewing with the NFL. You know, that being confirmed as something that was happening was a sure sign that they were at a point in the investigation, probably the end point. You know, going back to March, we always believed that a suspension was coming and that the ruling was coming here in this window of late June, early July, when spring football's over and, you know, ahead of training camp, which begins uh, at the end of July. And here we are. Um, he's going to get suspended, folks. We don't know what it's going to be. And as Jason astutely pointed out the other day, and we'll certainly do again here over the next 20 minutes, no one has said a number. But I'm still pretty convinced it's going to be a significant number, and that is certainly going to affect the 2002 Cleveland Browns in a less than positive manner. What is a significant number to you? What does that mean? It's going to be at least eight. I would be stunned, and I will not be stunned if it still says indefinite when that pops across your phone a Friday or two from now. I I, I don't think it's indefinite. I don't, although it is a little alarming that they said talks broke down, that they were trying to negotiate a settlement of a suspension and, and talks unraveled uh, that tends to make me believe that the NFL wanted harsher than what Deshaun was anticipating, but I don't know what kind of leverage Deshaun has in this. The NFL ultimately is going to rule on this. So I, I, I'm not real clear on, I guess, some of the, the verbiage of that. I've thought all along six to eight games, I guess I'm going to stay in that window of six to eight uh, until told otherwise. And the only reason why I don't think it's a year or indefinite or anything like that is because, if you're going to do that, then why don't you just put them on the commissioner's exempt list? And the fact that that didn't happen, it's, I'm just trying to use logic here. And the fact that they took that off the table tells me 
it's not going to be a year. Now it's the NFL, and they can do whatever the hell they want. And, and yeah, let me cut you off real quick. This. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that I think it's going to be indefinite. I said I wouldn't be stunned. Okay. Um, if it is, I just think, Jason, in, in everything you said there is right. And why, why wasn't this out there? Why weren't other things open? I just think as other layers of this have unfurled, right? And it's clear that the PR war has been very one-sided in terms of Tony Busby and the plaintiffs and the momentum against Deshaun Watson. And that includes the New York Times article that includes all of this. But as I follow it here, the reaction is not that he's innocent. It's this is the strategy to fight it, right? The the PR here coming from both sides in the NFL kind of testing the waters over the last week, week and a half, is that a suspension is coming. And I just go back to Ray Rice and how the NFL – ruled too early before the tape came out, all of that. And the story of Ray Rice ultimately became about Goodell's handling of it much more than about the act and and what happened. And I just think when you add that together with the sheer number and the investigation getting to this point, I just think everything points to a lengthy suspension now. So is it 6, 8, 10, 12 indefinite? I don't know. But I, you know, the way I read it based upon – the climate in the league's past rulings is I think it's going to be more in the 8, 10, 12 range than the 4 to 6 range. If it's a year, and I think I said this in the first version of this episode, if it's a year, I don't I don't think any Browns fan can be outraged. Like, disappointed, sure. You want to see your quarterback, your franchise quarterback out on the field. Sure, you can be disappointed. I, I don't... When, when you read some of the allegations and you try and wrap your head around some of this, and, and, you know, I've said this before, I feel like we're maybe desensitized to it because we're just throwing these numbers around 22, 24, 66. And it just sort of numbs you a little bit to what the allegations are. And so if it is a year, I would be surprised, but I don't think, I don't think you can be outraged as a Browns fan. But when you talk about Ray Rice and how they had to walk that one back and, uh, and, and and sort of suspend him twice, really. There's the first ruling, and then the video came out, and then then his career was over. There was a the fact that the video came out and became public was obviously a really big bomb thrown onto that that ch- sort of changed things. And I, as soon as I get done saying you don't want to get desensitized to this, I go back to the start in March of when the Browns acquire him to where we are now. And what truly has really changed about the case? The New York uh, – and, you know, I mean, there's been some PR hits along the way. The the Rusty Harden the, – the HBO show, first of all, was tough. And that was – it was a, it was a bad look, obviously, for Deshaun. And, and I said at the time, you know, if you follow this case closely in Cleveland or Houston, you were, there was really no new information there. It was pretty much everything that you already knew. The part that I failed to take into account was other women who were impacted and affected by him now coming forward and saying – hey, you know, that has now inspired me or motivated me or whatever to now come forward and tell my story. I didn't think of that. And I didn't realize that. And and now we've sort of seen that here with a couple more new cases matriculating. But all of the allegations are the same. And and all the the new lawsuits that are filed, it's all pretty much the same story. So I don't know. You know, there was a couple of things in the New York Times story that I think is new. And certainly, you know, I've mentioned this on a couple of different platforms now, but the fact that a physical therapist who knew Deshaun and she's not part of the lawsuit, she's not suing Deshaun said that he pulled her pants down and initiated sex. And she didn't know how to tell him no. 
And that really kind of jumped off the screen to me. And that really sort of made me uncomfortable reading that because I've said all along, as we trend toward the line of he raped me, that is what would change this entire discussion. And everything that we're talking about here, that takes it back to a criminal investigation that brings back a lot of really, really bad things. And we're just trending closer to that line when you hear stories and, and allegations like that. And, and so that part is new. But is that enough to go from, you know, Zach, when we're at the owners meetings and the Browns are saying they were cautiously optimistic that it wasn't going to be the type of suspension that was going to derail the entire season. And again, no one's ever put a number on this, but cautiously optimistic to me is not a year. It's, it's much, much less than a year. So I just don't know what new information has really come out other than it being a bad PR hit between March and now. And that's why I'm kind of still stuck on the six to eight games. And yes, the NFL cares about PR. I get it. And the Trevor Bauer thing maybe plays a role in this. And I've gone back and forth on that, on how much of a Bauer, the, the two-year Bauer suspension will impact this. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I just know the one thing I am certain of is I'm sick of talking about it. That's what I know for sure. Well, sure. Um, you know, 20 su- 22 suits goes to 24 with two more apparently out there. The HBO special hits, the New York Times things hits, as you reference. You know, th- this to me is, you're right, like a lot of them are the same. And most of the allegations are the same. But some of the ones that have come out include some awful details. The number's up there. And guys, like before we rush to say, okay, he settled them because he thinks he's only going to get half a season. Like it would be a headline today if any other NFL quarterback had four sexually based suits filed against him. He still has four against him. 20 were just settled, right? Like this is this is big in the NFL's eyes. And this is, you know, allowing him to play is, again, why I tie in the Ray Rice thing and, and all of that. So it comes down to what the Browns and what the NFL knew, I think. You know, uh, obviously the NFL talked in mid-May, late May to Deshaun Watson. So, you know, what were they asking him that he hadn't been asked before? And what has been presented out there in the public that the Browns didn't know. Um, I go back to November in one of these post-game podcasts, this very podcast, and I said, assuming he's cleared of criminal charges, if you're a team that trades for Deshaun Watson, right, you're going to have one really awkward press conference, you're going to have a few awkward months, a suspension of X amount of games, and then you're going to have your quarterback for a long time. And I don't think that door is closed But based on what's happened the last two months, Jason, in this window where the NFL is running slash concluding its investigation, you can't tell me that momentum hasn't changed and perception hasn't changed. And again, this is not a criminal trial. This is the NFL deciding what, what happened here. And when you look at what's been leaked to the Washington Post, what was in the New York Times thing, the feeling out process here, the only way I can read it is we're talking about at least a double-digit game suspension. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If it's a year, if it's a full year, the Browns to this point, going back to the combine and, and after the season and before, 
they've shown zero interest in Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and it was very clear that they would rather hold on to Baker than pursue Jimmy Garoppolo. Baker coming back as a non-starter, we're not going to even entertain that conversation. That's not happening. I don't know where he's going. <clears throat> it's not going to be Cleveland. But do you do you think the Browns then revisit going out and getting another quarterback if it's an entire year? Do they do they go look at Jimmy Garoppolo at that point? Because I don't think Jim, Jacoby Brissett is is leading the Browns to the playoffs in the AFC this year. Oh, I know he's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would just correct one thing you said. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulder injury made it clear that they were not pursuing him. I think that took Jimmy Garoppolo off the market. Yes, um, if the suspension is significant, then the Browns are in the quarterback market. And is that swapping for Sam Darnold? Is that swapping for Jimmy Garoppolo? Both of those things seem unlikely. But when this ruling comes, um, you know, and if it is half the season or more, then they are definitely in the market. I mean, they had Jake Fromm in to work at rookie minicamp. I don't think he's it, right? Um, You know, could it be a situation where you wait, let other teams get through camp and see who else becomes available? Sure. You know, you're already sitting on one quarterback who's not going to play for you. Uh, you know, this is a team that has the two most, most discussed quarterbacks of the offseason, and neither one of them is going to be playing for them in week one. That's remarkable. That, that's not a death knell to the season, but that just is a, a way to sum up the awkwardness of this this whole situation, right? And, like, the reason they make this trade, Jason, is they look and they say, we should have been in the playoffs last year, Right. The reason they make this trade is they look and they say, our team is ready to win at most other spots. And we were in the playoffs not long ago. And this guy is what we need to get there. Not everybody has one. Not half the league even has one. Let's get one and go. But when you look at where Nick Chubb is and where Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward are in their careers, and you brought back Clowney and you bring back your entire defense, except for two eminently replaceable defensive tackles at the position they value the least of anyone, then yes, you would you would think that, that any quarterback – with a pulse, who, who would be an upgrader could could get, get you there. And one thing Jimmy Garoppolo has done is get deep in the playoffs twice, right? Um, I think all of that's in play. I, I do. And so, you know, they went through the spring. I knew they would. There wouldn't be any impulse movement on the defensive line front, um, the wide receiver front. Got to let the young guys play. You got to see what you want. And frankly – the internal goal was just getting the new quarterbacks comfortable. Deshaun was out there taking double the reps. I mean, he hasn't played football in since 2020, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, as they sort these out and they're sitting on prioritizing these moves or what would we move Baker for or, or where where do we go next, you know, barring a swap at, say, the bottom of the cornerback room or the bottom of the tight end room, then, yeah, you you would have to say that, they would need another – I mean, Josh Dobbs isn't it. Josh Dobbs is a smart guy. Josh Dobbs is a good guy. He's been a backup in this league. That's what he is. He's thrown 17 career passes. He's made like five appearances, all but two of them in cleanup duty. Like, he is – you have to be better in that spot. And it's not only that they were made this move to bail on Baker, but they traded Case Keenum for nothing. They could have brought back Nick Mullins on a futures contract for nothing. They did not. They were ready to move on from this whole quarterback room. And, and that's fine. That's their choice. And pretty easy to say that that was the right move, right? But you, you have to be better in that quarterback room than Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs through, through November minimum. You would have to be. So, yes, something is going to happen when the suspension is, is handed down. 
What do you make of the latest? There's been so much thrown out lately. I think it was a Justine Anderson report on Baker to the Seahawks. Um, how much merit do you place into that? And I still don't think that there's any sort of trade value uh, attached to Baker. I just, I, I just don't see how the Browns are going to get anything back of value for him. Well, I would say that the two teams that always were the most realistic in terms of a Baker trade in March, April, May were Seattle and Carolina, just given their situations. And one of the links to Seattle was Alonzo Highsmith, who was Dorsey's right hand when he, when Baker was selected. Um, And in fact, two months before the draft was the only non Baker person in the high up in the Browns office and, and changed over the process. But Alonzo does not work for the Seahawks anymore. He took a job back at the university of Miami. And I don't know exactly what's going on in Seattle, but it appears they're ready to rebuild. And Drew Locke, they got as part of the trade, and he's only under contract for one year. And Geno Smith, yes, they gave him an incentive-laden contract, but they like him as a backup. That's what he is. Just like Jacoby Brissett is a backup, Geno Smith is a backup. So this is part of the deal with Baker's contract, even if the Browns will pay at least half of it, and they will. They're long resigned to that. You know, Baker's an immediate upgrade for five, six, eight, maybe more teams in this league, Jason, but five, six, eight, 11 of those teams are not winning the Super Bowl this year. So they're saying, what are they doing? And that's where you get not only into the contract, the one year and, and the hefty price tag on it, but what the stuff that follows Baker, which is why the Browns won it out of in the first place, right? So teams are like, yeah. And that's why the Browns have always resigned themselves to, we're going to wait for an injury and then we will make a move. And what we need at that point might be a third safety or a third tight end, or you don't know based on injuries and camp and all, you know, all the crazy things that can happen in the NFL that makes guys unavailable. Right. Um, They're waiting for that. So, yeah. So if we were to get off this podcast and have to re-record it again, because there was news in 15 minutes in Baker, I quit. I would say definitely it's Carolina or Seattle, but I think long ago as the Browns went through this process and, and for the, 800th time they were ready to break up with Baker last January. And specifically when they got on that plane to Houston, they did break up with Baker. Um, They're more than willing to wait till August or later for someone to call them. That's in a dire need. And they get that move done. Done then. If we have to re-record this in 15 minutes, you're going to have a new partner because I'm (laughs) turning in my notice. I'm done. I I just, I, what, what do we, you want to talk about the stadium? Is there anything else to cover with this Watson stuff? Um, no, we're waiting on the decision. And as much as we think it's coming soon, the discovery in the two new suits is due a week from – this is Thursday the 23rd is we're recruiting this. The, the discovery is due on the 30th for those two new suits. I can't imagine – the investigation is probably done or darn close, but I can't imagine a verdict would be handed out as far as the suspension until they see what's in there, right, and, and know if they need to talk to someone else or, or multiple other people. So I think we're looking at a July 7th to 17th decision. And yeah, I mean, like I said, we, we could talk about other things. We didn't see much in the Brown Spring practices, guys, because it was seven on seven. There's no pads. There's nothing. It was all about Deshaun Watson. And what else is going on is the Browns need to know if they're going to have their quarterback or not. Let's talk about the stadium. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm just so done. I'm just I so know. done and tired of talking about it. The what, listen when when we talk about the stadium and we talk about plans for for what's going to happen, uh, I said this so much more eloquently the first time. 
Can we just chop it up out of there, the, out of the first one, and, and dub it into this one so I don't have to rehash it all again? Um, my thought, first of all, I, I've thought all along that the next stadium to be replaced would be First Energy in Cleveland, even though it's not, it's the newest of all three. Uh, but just there's a lot of problems with it. I think this, the location is awful. I've talked to business leaders and city leaders in the city who feel like it's it's a terrible location. Obviously, the lakefront property, there's so much more useful options for it than a, this monstrous building that sits vacant 350 days out of the year. It's next to these two beautiful pieces of architecture in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Science Center. And then this thing just dwarfs it and sits empty all the time. My thought, I know this is not realistic. I know this is not going to happen. But as Zach Meisel and I were sort of exploring the future of baseball in Cleveland and, and the Guardians and the stadium and all that, it was sort of brought to our attention at that time. A, a great place for uh, a venue is sort of that 480-77 interchange there in Independence, sort of around, the, around Topgolf. And it got me to thinking that that would be a great spot to put a football stadium and put a ground stadium and sort of build up the area around it and get into some of that economic development that we've seen around Foxborough, uh, around Gillette Stadium out there, and, and some of the other places. You and I both went to L.A. and Minneapolis on back-to-back weeks and saw just two the, the two jewels of the NFL circuit right now. That's probably not realistic for Cleveland. Uh, the trend has been in stadium construction – the recent trend has been if you want to build it yourself is what cities and counties have been telling these billionaire owners. The Buffalo deal sort of changed that. Buffalo got an unprecedented amount of money from from public funds and it sort of swung the pendulum back to the way that it was when the, the venues were constructed here in, in town, all the, the new buildings. Uh, something needs to be done with First Energy Stadium. I don't think a dome is a realistic option given where they're at. But I, I, I just I don't like the stadium uh, at all. I, it's just I think the players don't like it, certainly. It's just miserable in November and December and January. Uh, but where do you go from here? And bail me out because I've just totally butchered everything I was trying to say. No, I, I mean, you know, there, there was a blog that came out last week. And then that spurred a resp- an official statement from the Browns. Um, the lease is seven more years. And, you know, frankly, although that's the time – you know, 10 years at least to do something like this. Um, I do think the Browns were right in saying, hey, that's what's out there is is way ahead of what's real, even if it's been talked about or not, right? And nothing has been normal in the NFL for the, for the past two years and however many months um, because of the pandemic. Before that, the Browns were fully committed to land bridge and development around the stadium and really lip-sticking the pig there. Um Putting a roof on the current stadium is fantasy land. There's, there's no roof. There's a highway. There's a lake. It's hard, right? Um, current how downtown is currently constructed. Putting this, putting a new stadium anywhere else is probably fantasy land too. You know, could could something change over the years? Yes, maybe it will, but I, I don't know. Um, you know, as you mentioned, going to those two Minnesota and LA in back to back weeks. Of course, you're going to dream, right? <laughs> And of course, as the franchise values skyrocket here in the NFL, uh, as we approach the ten, the exact ten year anniversary of the Haslam's buying the team, um, of course you can afford it, and of course you're going to look, and of course you're going to say we'd like to have one of those. You know, 
one of the few things in the rancid history of the new era Browns that's not really anyone's fault, Jason, is the stadium and the timing. Everybody wanted the Browns back. Everybody wanted them back in 1999. So many people said, this is Cleveland. We play football outside and we play it on natural grass. Well, even two years later, let alone six or seven, the stadiums that were getting built in are just a ton nicer. Just the technology, the architecture, the design, the including everything, right? Nobody was worried about wireless internet in the stadium in the 90s, right? It was PSLs, which it was all of that stuff um, that's come along. So there were some tactical errors made. Yes, if you want to do it, you want to get use out of it. You want to host the Final Four and WrestleMania and all the things you can do inside that you can't do with an open-air natural grass stadium that sits up against a big lake next to a highway. Like, you just can't. We, we've been to almost all of them, right? Foxborough is out in a neighborhood, and Green Bay is out in a neighborhood, and everybody else is either downtown or right next to downtown, and the centerpiece of what goes on around it, with, with very few exceptions, right? So um, it's hard, and it's certainly worth exploring, you know, I do think the Haslam's and the Haslam Sports Group are here to stay. You know, I do think for as bad as they've been with the football product, they've been great in the community and proactive on a lot of non-football things. And we'll see. Um, I also think we could tie this back to the beginning and say it's fair to say right now the entire franchise is at a crossroads and the support of the Haslam's uh, on any level, funding, fans, buying tickets, um, is dependent upon what happens these next few months and what happens with Deshaun Watson. They just traded the farm for a guy they're not sure when he's going to be able to play. So, you know, there's a lot going on right now. And I think it is worth discussing. Um, but we're probably going to need to get someone who knows a whole lot more about it than we currently do um, to really go into detail. I think it's just something we want to throw out there because there's not a whole lot else to talk about right now. Yeah, I'm done. If you got anything else to say, say it now or forever. Hold your peace. Yeah, no, I would just say, guys, we wanted to do this because it is, you know, last Thursday's end of minicamp is kind of a a turning point. Um, it's an otherwise quiet offseason. I mean, the Browns handed out $400 million in guaranteed money this offseason. They just don't know when $230 million of it can play. Um, you know, from minicamp to the beginning of full training camp, it's generally five or six weeks. It's generally time every single person in the organization takes a vacation. Now, if you're Andrew Barry and Stefanski, you can't exactly walk away from your phone. Uh, they signed up for this. We'll see. During this window is the exact 10-year anniversary of the Haslam stuff. Um, you will see players doing community events and things. But as far as football business, no, it's it's only this. Um, it's what's there. And we'll see when it comes. Like I said, I'm expecting it in, in the second-ish week of June, you know, six days into July, excuse me, um, six to 16 days into July. And then we'll see that will shape a lot of things and um, that will shape every discussion heading up to July 27th to and through July 27th when training camp begins. So anyway, this is Civilized Barking. Um, that's where we believe things stand. Thank you for reading. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you when the news comes.